So growing up, uh, I was a huge Star Wars fan. Um, and I should clarify, I, am, I still like Star Wars. Um, but just growing up, like, I absolutely loved the movies. And I kind of thought that like, when I grew up that life was probably going to be a little like Star Wars. Like Maybe we'd have spaceships and like, little robots and uh, lightsabers. And maybe some people do. Um, I do not have any of those things. But I did recently take a trip to Disney. And I discovered that they have these like massive Star Wars like Lego sets. Uh, naturally, I thought it would be really cool to add one. Uh, it was only like $900, so it was fine, to our wedding registry. Um, my fiance, Jenna, said, you don't need that. Um, I disagree. She was, she was probably right, though. It is not on her registry. But when I was a kid, like I loved putting together the the much less expensive um, Star Wars Lego sets, and pretending like I was one of the, the Jedi, like the, the good guys. But I was always confused, because as a Jedi, like you could have the title like Master, and then the Sith, like the, the bad guys, like you could be a Lord. And I was like, well, Lord sounds a whole lot cooler but the Jedi were the good guys. So I was like always torn, like master, Lord, like which, which one is better? Well, when it comes to God, we actually don't have to choose between those two titles because there is a name for God in the Bible that means both. It's the name that we just sang about, Adonai. And Adonai simply means like master or Lord. And so Adonai was often used in place of Yahweh or some of the other names of God Uh, to show that the speaker understood that they were appealing to one greater than themselves, like an inferior to a superior. It was a a supreme name and title that was given to God. And it's found over 400 times in the Old Testament. As you're reading through in English, when you see Lord with small letters and a, a capital L, that's often Adonai. And a lot of the names that we're going to be talking about in this series, they relate more to the attributes of God, like his power, his, his glory, his holiness, his love. But this name, Adonai, it makes a definite claim on our obedience and service. And so it's important for us to know, though, in the Hebrew context, like master and servant, like th- those are not evil terms. Like those titles had had no stigma attached to them. And Israelite, who was actually a purchased servant, they were a member of the family. Like it was not really seen as as a negative thing in that way. Like the Lord or master would actually give them protection and help. They cared for and loved their servants. But lordship did mean complete ownership on one hand and complete submission on the other. And now today, I really don't think we're going to have time to look at all 400 uses of Adonai in the Old Testament, um, but we will look at a couple of them, and then how that name of God is actually used in the New Testament as well. And so Moses, uh, he is one of the Old Testament figures who consistently addresses God as Adonai. And the first time is in Exodus chapter 4, and at this point, Moses has fled Egypt and is in hiding. And while in hiding, God is calling out to Moses through the burning bush. And Moses is charged with leading God's people out of slavery and into freedom, out of Egypt and into the promised land. But Moses is hesitant. 
he doubted that God could actually use him. Here's what it says in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Moses is trying to convince God that he wasn't the man for the job. He told God that he's not persuasive enough with his words to convince Pharaoh, of all people, to let God's people go. Moses is trying to find a way to get out of what God is telling him to do. But notice what Moses said. He said, pardon your servant, Lord. He says, Adonai. Even in his self-doubt, he was expressing his own unworthiness and the lordship of God, the Adonai. But the Lord said to him, who gave beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So God, as Adonai, as Lord and master, he's going to provide for his servant. He is the one in control. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. And then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Moses, he's telling God that the, the one thing that God has told him to do, he simply can't do it. And God's anger, it's kindled against Moses, not because he has doubts, not because he had questions, but because he was a servant who was trying to get out of his responsibility to follow his master's command. And God assures Moses, like, he will be with him, he will help him, but Moses at this point is still refusing to do what the Lord told him to do. But Moses, in using Adonai as the name for God, recognizes that despite his insecurities and his doubts, that God is in charge. Like that's how Moses is speaking to him, as one who is in charge of him. But oftentimes, I think we speak to God more as like just some magic genie who can do things for us, not as the one who's actually in charge of us. But submitting to God as Lord, as Adonai, it opens up the opportunity for us to actually know God more, for God to do more in our lives. Like that's what happened with Moses. When he ultimately surrendered and obeyed what God was telling him to do, he was able to accomplish some incredible things because the Lord was with him. There's another Old Testament figure who often addresses God as Adonai, and that's the prophet Isaiah. And we pick up his story in Isaiah chapter 6. Starting in verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So Isaiah, he served as the prophet under King Uzziah of Judah. And toward the end of Uzziah's life, he, he started to disobey God. And the people of Judah were, were spiritually lost. And so when Isaiah's human king died, he was able to, to now clearly see who really owned and ruled over everything. Isaiah got to see Adonai seated on his throne. 
And, and sometimes I think we have something else ruling our lives, something else on the throne, and we don't really get to see God for who he is. And Isaiah, he said in verse 1, he saw the Lord, he saw Adonai, and he is exalted, he is holy, he is set apart. And Isaiah, he recognizes this, and immediately he is filled with awe and just this recognition of his own sin. He is face to face with his supreme master. And after Isaiah's admission of God as his Lord, as his master, God puts out a request. He says, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, here am I, send me. And so we see a, a theme with Moses and Isaiah, like they recognize the holiness of God. They acknowledge him as Lord, as their master, and themselves as his servants. And then they go. And, and sure, it, it wasn't always the smoothest road for them, but they obeyed. And Moses, he was used by God to be a powerful leader over Israel, and he led them to the border of the promised land. Isaiah, he spoke judgment and gave hope to the people of Israel who were far from God. And God even used Isaiah to prophesy about the future Messiah, Jesus. And so throughout the Old Testament, like those who knew God as Adonai, they acknowledged themselves as his servants and they obeyed. But as we look in the New Testament, like this same name for God, Adonai, is translated in the Greek as kurios, which also means Lord, master, owner. And we see that Adonai is now represented in the lordship of Jesus. And so the, the uses in the New Testament uh, of Adonai, of Lord, actually tell us a little bit more about what our response should be to Jesus being our Lord. And so I want to take a look at a couple of times that Jesus actually used this name. The first one is in Luke chapter 6. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? It says it's not enough to just give lip service to Jesus' lordship. This is genuine faith and trust in him should result in obedience. He says, you can't just call me Lord and not follow what I say. That's not actually surrendering to him as Lord. Like, that's the kind of faith that says but does not do. And now Jesus is certainly not suggesting that our works achieve our salvation, but that true faith, true acknowledgement of Jesus as our Lord, our Adonai, will produce a pattern of obedience. And Jesus gives a similar teaching in Matthew chapter 7. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Again, these people are, are just giving him lip service. They're saying, Lord, Lord. But Jesus says, it's not the one who simply claims the Lord, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. These will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Because he doesn't need people giving empty words. He wants their allegiance. He says the people who are obeying are the ones who have truly made him the Lord of their life. But then he says there, there's another group of people who say, Jesus, like, look at all the things that we have done for you. We know who you are, and, and we've earned our way into your kingdom. And these people, they, they looked the part. They said the right things. They, did, they even did some pretty amazing things for the kingdom, but they hadn't really trusted in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They knew about him. They knew what he had done, but they had no relationship with him. Because notice they didn't say, my Lord. It was just Lord, Lord, which is just a sign of respect. Like they acknowledged who Jesus was, but they never truly knew Jesus in their hearts. They, they never repented and turned to him. And now when, when Jesus says he doesn't know them, he's saying, I have never known you as my disciples. And you have never known me as your Lord and Savior. So why does this name Adonai matter to us? Well, like I said earlier, like the, this name for God, it makes a definite claim upon our obedience. So our, our response to God being Adonai, it means we obey. Jesus says this in John 14. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Because not only is he our Lord and master, but he loves us. And it's our obedience that demonstrates our love for him. And think about Moses and Isaiah. Like what was so essential for them was that they recognized God as Adonai. He was Lord, he was master, and then they obeyed and God revealed himself more to them. I think oftentimes God isn't going to reveal more of himself to us if we're not willing to confess more of him as Adonai, as Lord. Because we have too many Christians who want God to get them to heaven, but who don't want God to be their Lord on earth. When God is your Adonai, when Jesus is your Lord, his word has the final say. Because acknowledging God exists and surrendering to him as Adonai, those are two totally different things. Jesus said this. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, and not do what I say? Adonai comes with obedience. Adonai comes with sacrifice. Adonai comes with a heart that follows what God says and recognizing him as the owner who calls the shots in our life. Because when you accept Jesus as your personal savior, when you genuinely believe in him, you are saved for eternity, but with the expectation that you confess Jesus as Lord of your life and are obedient. Because just saying Lord, Lord is not a ticket to heaven. Jesus said that, and Paul says this in Romans chapter 10. He says, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Jesus being Lord, it, it means something. 
Jesus declares that your willingness to confess him as Lord indicates that your commitment to him is serious. And this is is so much more than just simply believing that God exists. Satan believes God exists. Satan knows who God is. Our faith in God can't simply be that we acknowledge his existence. If we stop there, we are no better than the demons. James, the brother of Jesus, says this. He says, you believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. They believe God exists. They just haven't surrendered to him as Lord. They are rejecting his lordship. And unfortunately today, like Jesus has to compete with so many other masters in most of our lives. But Jesus, he's he's not willing to be one among many. Jesus said in Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He's not interested in just being part of the club or just your personal assistant when you need something. He is Lord. He is your ruler. He's master. The problem is that that too many people want a savior. They don't want a Lord. But you can't just say, Lord, Lord, as if it's some magic word. Confessing Adonai in your life, it requires actions to show his ownership. Because just acknowledgement of God's existence and uh, attendance at, at church, like that, those things fall short of God's desire for us. He wants so much more than just a, a passive presence. He desires a church that is genuinely surrendered to him as their Lord. We often have such a, a consumer mentality about Christianity, though, that, it, that it's all about just how we feel. Or it's, a, it's about what we receive, what we get out of it. But Jesus says, if I am truly your Lord, then you will do what I say. You will listen to me. You will obey me. The amazing thing about Jesus is that he isn't just asking for our obedience as as some demanding taskmaster. He's doing it as a humble servant who went before us to model what it looks like for us to surrender and be obedient Paul says in Philippians chapter 2 that Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, being God, took the form of a servant, the the same word that Paul uses for himself, the same word that Paul uses for us, and he was obedient unto death. Where is your limit of obedience? Like, what are you not willing to do for God? What are you not willing to give up for him? Because Jesus being Adonai, Jesus truly being Lord, means that we're going to obey even when it isn't easy, even when it isn't convenient. And Paul goes on to say that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord.
Have you truly accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you surrendered to him? As we saw today, Moses, he was given a mission by Adonai. Isaiah was given a mission by Adonai, and, and we've been given a mission, a command from Jesus. We find this in Matthew 28. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. All authority has been given to me, therefore, he says, go and make disciples. He's talking about belief, repentance, accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then he says, baptizing them, publicly declaring our allegiance to Jesus. It's, it's another command of Jesus. It pictures his death and resurrection. And then he says, teaching them to obey everything, all that I have commanded. Is that truly your life's mission? Like if you evaluate your life, is that truly your mission to go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to obey because that's what our Lord has commanded. Because when you surrender to Jesus as your Adonai, as Lord and Savior, he says, go. But the incredible thing is that just as Adonai said to Moses and Isaiah, I am with you, what did Jesus say? He said, surely I am with you always. He's going to be with us. And then the faithful servant will one day hear those joyful words from the lips of Adonai, our Lord. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that, that you are Adonai, that you are the Lord, that you are holy, you are exalted, but that you love us and you care for us. You are concerned for us. And Father, we thank you for the example of Jesus that, that not only do you command us to obey, but we have a picture of what that looks like to obey, to follow. And Father, I pray that you, you help us, help us surrender. Help us recognize you as Lord. Lord over everything. Father, this morning, we just give all of ourselves to you. God, we love you. We just thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.